Hi, you're listening to Mystically Inclined with Fiona and Mo. A podcast featuring conversations that explore what it means to live in alignment. From the practical to the mystical, we're here to challenge our beliefs, learn from each other, and grow together. And have fun. And have fun. (laughs) Okay, today we are talking to Natalie Carlisle, who is the founder of The Naughty Shaman which is such a fun brand. She has the Naughty Shaman podcast. She has the Naughty Shaman schools where they have Dharma school and all different offerings. But basically, they're just trying to help people reconnect to their soul's purpose. Yeah, yeah. Her programs are amazing. I've um, She's kind of been in my sphere for a while now um, through other connections that we have that we'll kind of talk about in the episode. Um, but I love talking to her. She was so authentic and just really let her personality shine, which was really fun. You know, she's taking this work that can feel very serious or like, I don't want to say daunting, but you know, like sometimes when we find this work, we're in a really low place and she just had a really great way of communicating everything that she offers and everything that she believes and stands for. So I loved our conversation. Yeah, she was super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, we hope you love it too. Here is Natalie Carlisle. Hello. I'm in. Yay. <laughs> Hi. So nice to meet you. So nice, nice to, meet to meet you, you as too. well. So excited to connect with you. I actually heard about your the Naughty Shaman years ago. I was studying with Chip from the Center of Higher Living. Oh. Yeah, I know. I love Chip, and I was so sorry to hear about everything that happened to him. And Mark is such a dream, and so I'm so sorry to hear about that. But Chip is great. I I just adore that man. So I know, I know, and we say it present tense because I don't know about you, but I feel him all the time. I'm like, oh yeah, I hear you, Chip. It's fine. (laughs) If anyone is still kind of hanging around visiting everyone, it's definitely Chip. Right? He has a big heart and always loved people and connects. So yeah, yes. Yeah. So fun. So yes, you've been on my radar for quite some time. So um, it's one of those things, you know, it's like in your face and then it's not. And then Maureen's like, have you heard of this place? I'm like, oh my God. Yes. Awesome. (laughs) So it was so funny. I was like, I feel like we should talk to a shaman. We really haven't talked to someone. Mm. So I was kind of searching on Spotify for different shaman podcasts and I came across yours and I was like, okay, let's get her contact information. And it came up that there was a location in Glastonbury, Connecticut, which is where I live. And I was like, what do I have my location services on? No, I mean like the real one, not the one that's right here. Oh (laughs) my gosh. Oh no, it is right here. That's crazy. (laughs) That is crazy, right? What a small world. Oh, I know it. Yeah, Yeah. it's great. And so where are you all out of? You're you're in Glastonbury and where Mm -hmm. are you, Fiona? I'm right in Berlin, right next door. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And are you in Delaware now? I moved to Delaware. Yeah. But I'm actually coming up to Connecticut this weekend to teach Dharma school. So I'll be up there. We're actually teaching at one of our graduates. Part of her Dharma was to create a a movement, a sacred movement center. So she's got a place in Plainville called, uh, you know, High Vibes. And I can't wait to be there with her. So yeah, that's where we're going to be. We're going to be in Plainville. How do you like Delaware? Delaware's so beautiful. Delaware's gorgeous. And it's like this tiny little jewel of a state that uh, nobody thinks about. And it's got Mm -hmm. a ton of beachfront, right? A ton. And 
ton, like the whole, and so it's, it's amazing. My parents uh, came here about 25 years ago and to retire, you know, this was going to be their big moment. And, um, and they went up and down the coast looking for a place to live. And um, they decided here, this is where they wanted to retire because the people were cool. It wasn't stuffy. It was yeah. just a relaxed environment. And, and it is, it's like Norman Rockwell. There are no buildings above three stories and it's just heaven. Yeah. I love yeah. It. Yeah. We drive through all the time because we always uh, go to Virginia beach with the kids. Oh. And so every time we drive through Delaware, I'm like, it's just so pretty. It's so quaint, you know, it's very so, quaint. Yeah, yes. It's lovely. That's so fun. Yeah. So I love it. So my brother lives here now and he's lived here for about 10 years and now I live here. And so we have like a little family hub <laughs> and it's the first time that we've had our family in the same town since God, when you were probably kids, never all yeah. in the same town. Yeah. That's so cute. Maureen's yeah, so dream. I know. Yeah. Are um, you beach, a beachy? Um, I like the beach, but more the dream would just be to have my brothers live down the street from me. So yep. yeah, we've always said like, if two of us settle in one city, the third has to move. So we'll see mm. where everybody ends up. I feel like it's a good, <laughs> it's a good rule. I know it rule. is a good rule for sure. <laughs> I love it. That's so so I've listened to some of your podcasts and I've heard your really beautiful storytelling about how you came to be a shaman, but if people are just meeting you for the first time, will you just tell us a little bit about how you found this work? Well, yeah, I, I love that story. It's um, it, it it's sort of how everybody finds the work, right? It's through a bunch of suffering. So, <laughs> so your life falls apart and then you have to figure out a way to dig yourself back up out of the hole. And so, and maybe that happens to you several times. So that was a little bit of my journey when I, I was young. And I think I was one of those kids, like so many people are nowadays uh, born with some connection to the other sides, connection to spiritual reality. And I didn't understand it. And of course, my parents who didn't share that skill or gift didn't understand it. And, and so like many of us, you know, I felt like an outsider for so long and hid different aspects of myself. And then it just kept calling. It was like the universe just kept knocking on the door, knocking on the door, like, hey, you might be great at this energy medicine shaman stuff. And a teacher would appear and then I would run screaming and hide because I was terrified. So, you know, the calling comes and comes and comes. And, and finally I got into such a tight spot when my children were born, they were under one. So my daughter was, I think nine months old and my son was like one and a half. And I had just sold my business in Columbus, Ohio. And I had just um, moved from Columbus to Connecticut. My mother passed away. She was my last living parent. And I was like on my knees. I was like, I don't know who I am anymore. Like, what is this going on? And so I was in a deep depression and despair. And that was the time where I really had to surrender. And I called one of my coaches, Debbie Phillips. And I said, Debbie, I'm a mess. I don't know what's going on. And she said, you need to heal. And I remember not having a connection to that word at all at the time, because I was still kind of a severed head in corporate America, kind of go, 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 and not in touch with my body or emotions or anything. And I was like, Deb, I don't need a doctor. What do you mean heal? Nothing's broken. 
And she said, but your soul needs attention. And so, you know, go on, go on a website and go take a course that speaks to your soul, even if it's weird, especially if it's weird. And I, and I went on the Kripalu website and I found this yoga, this week-long yoga immersion and a week-long shaman immersion with Alberto Violgo. And I remember being on the phone, like this was the funniest thing to me because I remember calling the Four Wind Society, which is Alberto's company. And I, you know, I'd read the thing and there's people around a fire or whatever. And I remember saying to the woman on the phone, like, hey, I'm not going to dance naked under the moonlight. I'm not like these other people. I'm a corporate wonder woman. I've been published in the Harvard Business Review. Like I was so arrogant and I did not want to be associated with the not normal people, like the feather wearing weirdos that might be there. Right. <laughs> so I'm like completely going to this workshop. Like I'm not like these people and my, I'm a little arrogant and a little stuck up. And, um, and the first day I was there, they used me for the demo for just opening my heart chakra. All the teacher did was open my heart chakra and it was like I exploded and I just started falling. And you know, by the end of the week, I was banging on drums, feathers in my hair. I'm like, these are just people. I'm home. Oh my God. Like, it was just like an amazing transformation. And after that, you know, I had had a, I had had a, a dream where I was, I went into the underworld in my dream, which is a place where shamans work quite often. And I went to the underworld in this dream and my guide's there and he's like this dark skinned guy to the white underneath his eyes, like painted white underneath his eyes. And he looks at me and he says, you cannot quit now. And I was like, okay, I won't quit. I won't run. I'll stay. So I feel like I made a commitment that time to myself and my journey that was different than all the other times teachers had tried to teach me stuff. So yeah, I took that and that's, that's how I ended up starting to study with Alberto. And from there, it kind of branched out and went all kinds of directions, but. Even taking a week off for yourself when you have a nine month old and a year and a half year old is kind of a big deal. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You are so right. And I remember the, my, like, I didn't know anybody in Connecticut and my parents were both dead and I was, you know, I didn't ever talk to my brother because he lived across the country and I I remember taking so much flack from my in-laws and the family of like, how can you leave your babies, right. you know, and they just go right for the heart. And I was like, I know I'm an asshole, but I still have to go. Like, I still have to go to this thing. I can't explain it. And it was, I really like hated for a while that part of me that needed to go, yeah. but I knew somewhere in my soul like it was truly life or death. It wasn't a mortal, like a physical death I was facing, but I was facing a soul death. Mm -hmm. And I knew it. I knew if I, I just kept playing out the scenario. Okay. Let's say I listen to these voices that are saying I'm a terrible mom. I should not go. And I stayed in my depression, in my anxiety, screaming at the kids, not sleeping, yelling at my spouse at the time, like, what would my life look like in five years, 10 years? And it was just a zombie of a woman just it was filled mm -hmm. with resentment and anger. And then I played out the scenario of, okay, let's imagine you find the courage to go find the money, find the courage. Like none of it's easy. Right. And, um, and I, I was like, I have to go. It's the only way I can live vibrantly. 
And I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad I did, but you're right. It's not easy, especially I think if you're a mom and women and I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's a part of like when Joseph Gamble talks about the hero's journey, he tells it from a masculine perspective, which is mm. so awesome. You know, and the hero rides out with his sack and he fights the dragon and, you know, he follows his calling. And, and I remember as a mom, I was always like, that sounds great. I'd love to jump on a horse and ride <laughs> off into the sunset on an adventure to find myself and go to mountains and, and meditate and all this shit that all these right. men have been through history. Right. right. So I've got babies on my boobs. So that's not <laughs> happening. Like I'll have to like ride the horse with them. That's not going to work. And, um, and it was somewhere around then when I learned about the feminine version of the hero's journey. And, and the feminine version is that the heroine doesn't ride off into the sunset. She finds a secret garden. She creates a secret life where she can grow and develop in the way that her soul needs to. And she protects it, keeps it so secret and sacred until she either gets caught or the soul gets strong enough to reveal itself to the community. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I felt like. I kind of went into this secret little life um where no one in my community really shared it with me and I talked about it with people but not in depth I mm -hmm. kept it very sacred very very secret what was happening inside of me until I was strong enough to create naughty shaman and then I came out naughty and shaman together like that's blazing <laughs> I came out of the closet like what <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say like, that's exactly right. Cause seeing as you're coming from corporate, your in-laws, your spouse at the time maybe was like, what is going on? Cause there is something that happens. I think when we become moms that we can't like put words to and something changes inside of us. And it's like, there comes a point. I know this happened for me, like right before my divorce, it was like you, it's almost like you're frozen in time and you're mm -hmm. looking out and you're like, I have a choice. I need to make a choice because the path I'm on, it's not going to end well, <laughs> but it is really hard. So I commend you for that. And it seems like now with what you've built, I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you've kind of felt so confident to start out in such a, you know, like guns blazing type of way, but you really <laughs> created such a community and like, what did that look like that whole transition period? Hey, we're just jumping in real quick to interrupt the episode to tell you about a new offering. After almost a year of doing this podcast and reading people's human design charts every time we're out for dinner or <laughs> out for drinks, we decided it's finally time to make this official. So we are offering readings. Okay, so it's going to be a combination of human design chart. Maybe we'll peek at your astrology, but basically we're going to go over everything that makes you you, you know, diving into just gain a deeper understanding of your individual energy and what parts of your chart you can lean into and are going to show up as your strengths and maybe what parts of your chart you can kind of release and aren't serving you as much, you know. And we're doing it for an introductory rate. So it's 80 bucks. You get an hour with both of us and you can, you know, get the questions answered of like, what type am I? What are my mm -hmm. profile lines? What's my environment? All that stuff. Um, yeah. We'll run through it with you and it'll be fun. Yeah. So everything is in the show notes that you need to sign up and we'll let you get back to the episode. That is such a great question. I, I totally hear what you're saying <laughs> about something changes when you become a mom and 
and it, and it did. And I, I remember I never really thought about kids. It wasn't like I, all my life, I can't wait to get married and have kids. I wasn't one of those women, but when I had kids, something switched in me. And I remember feeling like everybody's kid was my kid. Yeah. And so that was part of the reason to come out guns blazing because I kept thinking, what am I showing my kids? Yeah. Am I showing my kids this repressed, angstful, resentful, twisted up woman who's smiling with lipstick on the outside? Like, and I, I just, I knew I needed to get in alignment. And so, yeah, naughty. I felt like I was pregnant with this idea because when I was at shaman school in New York, I had four friends, like, so there were four of us, three friends and me. And, um, we were, we were the naughty shamans. Like they'd be like, we're going to have a ceremony. And so get some rest and go to bed early, meditate, drink water. And like, we were like, why, why don't we go to the bar? Like we'd sneak out and have wine. <laughs> we'd roll in like one in the morning and then wake up and go to sunrise ceremony. You know, so we were always the naughty shamans. And, um, and so the combination, I think of really allowing myself to be seen in that safe, sacred environment and having the support of these three people. Um, even though I didn't have the support of my family, my spouse, you know, and I, you know, I had support on a physical level because of all the things, but, um, but I think that's what really started the naughty shaman is I knew I, I had to create some place for people like me to feel at home. Because I tried to find community in yoga studios and I did. And still there was this residual layer of judgment in a lot of them where you have to be vegan and you have to wear white and you have to be super stretchy and you have to wear the right yoga clothes. And, and I didn't jive with any of that. And then I would go to shaman stuff and, and they would be like so disengaged from reality that it'd be like just sit and pray and everything will work out you don't have to do anything just allow and then I was like okay except for I'm raising kids I have to pay for college someday so what's that and then in even psychological circles or or leadership circles where I was moving around it wasn't spiritual enough and so for me I I had to create I was so lonely and so I had to create a place where people that didn't quite fit into any of these places perfectly could have a place uh, to explore who they are and what their soul needed that, that was non-judgmental, that was really open, that was grounded in reality, but also deeply spiritual. And so we just had to create it because it just didn't exist. So ironic that you started off not wanting to lean into this stuff because it made you feel alienated and then leaning into it, you create this <laughs> community of people who are so similar. <laughs> I know, right? Like, yeah, I'm not like those people, except for I'm completely those people. Right? <laughs> like I, I am those people. And it, it's so ironic now. I think spirit just sits around and laughs at me all the time. Like, you silly girl. <laughs> I, like, yeah, one of the things I would always say, I would always tell, yeah. So the other thing that helped create Naughty is literally people just kept calling me. So I got called to go out to Michigan to teach. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to teach about. And there, she, this yoga studio owner was like, just come out to Michigan and start saying stuff about the medicine wheel. And I was like, okay. So, and then that went so well. We had like 25 people in that workshop and everybody wanted more. So she was like, can you create more? So we ended up creating four workshops. And that was the beginning of Dharma School. 
was because this woman's community was just like, ah, we want more. And so without her, Stacy Bell, like none of it would have even happened. And then the yoga studio where I was working, you know, allowed me to teach Dharma school there. And so, so I just had a lot of support along the way and got asked to do things. I got asked, I remember this phone call from Minerva Hebron in Chile. She called and said, Hey, can you come and teach in Chile? And I was cool. like, white girl from like Ohio. <laughs> and I don't even speak Spanish. Like, I really feel like you called the wrong person. I remember telling her that I'm like, you called the wrong person. She's like, no, we love your energy. We've seen you at Alberto's stuff. And we're going to, we want to create something around Joseph Campbell's hero journey. And I was like, okay. So I truck on down to Chile to create this workshop with a couple of, and it, I mean, I literally just got called into it, which is such a gift. So I felt like, you know, I made that commitment to spirit when my guide was like, don't quit, you know, and then the universe kind of showed up and was like, okay, let's launch her out there. <laughs> so yeah, that's sort of how it all happened. And so, yeah, I ended up having a lot of support along the way. And, and really I came from a deep place of loneliness and wanting to be of service. Uh, so that's how it all happened, I guess. Did I answer your question? Like I'm down so many rabbit holes at this point. I don't even know where I am. I'm going to drink yeah, coffee you and you can get me right back on track. <laughs> no, I love it. And what I hear too, is like the things you're saying and the feelings that you are feeling, it just goes to show that like at our core as humans, if you're feeling something, someone else is most likely feeling yeah. that thing as well. Right. That's the underlying thing that I'm hearing throughout what you're saying. It's like following mm. that path and then just seeing that your community will show up. There are so many more like you, just yeah. beautiful. Yeah. I think you're spot on Fiona, because, you know, we've done Dharma school now for, for over 10 years and mm -hmm. we're just about, I don't even know over 10 years for sure. I and, mean, um, that's like when I found your work was about yeah. probably halfway through, probably six years ago. Yeah. Incredible. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. and it's amazing because every time um, we have the new circle. So an earth keeper is usually where the journey starts for people or in fire keeper. So that first circle where they sit down, and I'm sure you've been in many of them. And we, we pass around these, these cards that have images on them. They're not quite tarot cards, but kind of, and they have these beautiful art pictures on them. And we asked people, what called you here? And I mean, 80% or more of the people have something happening inside and they feel like they're the only one. And then they hear all these other people sharing. I felt lonely. There's something calling. I don't know what it is. I feel like I'm crazy. I feel like I'm the black sheep. And they hear all these other people saying the same stuff and boom, like the community is formed. It's so magical yeah. to watch. And it happens every time. And I think that's one of the biggest lies that, you know, we tell ourselves is that somehow it's just me and I'm all isolated and all alone and there's nobody, nobody else. And if you can stand being vulnerable, that 10 seconds of courage to tell someone I feel really lonely and freaked out because I don't know why I'm on the planet, then you find camaraderie almost immediately because it's so common. It's that would so really give me chills. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. It's so yeah. true. There's really so many different. Like, yeah. oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I I could ramble for you. <laughs> I actually, I'll ramble about this, okay. and then I want to hear what you have to say. But 
but I like when I look in the world, you know, I see that loneliness, like our illness in the world mm -hmm. is a spiritual illness. And then I think talking about these podcasts like yours, um, these kind of workshops really make a difference to, to allow people to see that they are not alone. And I think that's critical because so many people are isolating, living with depression, suicidal because they have these gifts and they don't even know their gifts. And they don't know that there are so many people out there with the similar gifts. And so there's so many people they can serve with those gifts, right? Like yeah. they're so concerned with keeping it to themselves, but the, the beauty is to share it with with others to share our gifts with others. Yeah. 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 And our pain and our histories. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So true. So true. Oh, I love people. We're so weird. <laughs> we are such a weird species. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. So I was wondering, there's so many different types of spirituality and mysticism and different modalities. What do you think it is about shamanism in particular that you connected with and that your Dharma students really resonate with? Mm, I love that question. So there is a lot of mysticism and a lot of weekend warriors or somebody had a dream and a vision and now they're teaching their own brand of right. energy <laughs> and things. And, and some of it's really cool and some of it's really crap. And I think what seekers have to be careful of is vetting who they're working with and finding a teacher, I think, A, that has a community. I think that's one of the things about shamanism. Like when I was coming up through the different um, trainings and getting into more advanced teachings, we were studying about sorcery. And what is sorcery and, you know, all this stuff and protection from all, you know, whatever. And, uh, and it's one of my favorite classes to teach. It's an advanced teaching, but, but one of the things that we explored in that course was the difference between, uh, like, a, in, in, this is traditional, but the difference between a sorcerer and a shaman traditionally was that the shaman had community. They were held in integrity because of the community. And so if the shaman was starting to get out of right relationship, so they were, you know, stealing all the money or taking all the fish from the village and eating it themselves or drinking too much or whatever unhealthy thing that was out of alignment for the spiritual leader, the community had a system of checks and balances to be like, dude, you're going off the rails. Come on back. Come on back to the circle. Whereas the sorcerer was like a lone wolf. And so I think for me, that really resonated in terms of what I like about shamanism is that the community is so important mm -hmm. and in terms of keeping everyone around the fire shoulder to shoulder rather than in a hierarchy. Mm -hmm. And that's the other thing that I love about shamanism is that there is not a hierarchy. Like there are different trainings that you can take, but that doesn't make anybody higher on the rung of power or importance. What it, what it creates is a breadth and depth mm -hmm. of, of wisdom and experience that becomes what we call your medicine. And so your medicine might be the spooky kooky stuff that happens in that sorcery class, or it might be around conversations, you know, how to have sacred conversations, or your medicine might be how to make tinctures out of the herbs and natural elements on the earth. And that all of those expressions of connecting to the divine are welcome and needed. 
So there's not one that's better than another, not even the teacher. Like we're not even that important. It just happens to be our gift. Not everybody can break down teachings and put them in a line so that other people can learn, but that doesn't make the teacher a guru. It just makes the teacher the one who can speak. Mm -hmm. So I loved that. I loved the lack of hierarchy. And the other thing that I really love about shamanism is it's fundamentally um, belief free (laughs) and fundamentally dogma free. So at the highest levels uh, of what we're talking about, um, whether you call it shamanism or yoga, but at the highest levels of, of wisdom, uh, they talk about having no beliefs, none. And most students, when I tell them that, like, like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, you got to believe this and you got to wear yellow on a Thursday. And then, and the Northern point of the medicine wheel is supposed to be white and it's not, you know, like, no, 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 no. All of it's a bunch of shit. Like it's all like the dressing, um, around the teachings. And there are many ways to dress the teachings. You can dress them in Christian mysticism or the Kabbalah. Like you can dress the wisdom teachings in a lot of different clothes, but fundamentally the teachings are simple. Uh, It's like be uber present, so immersed in the present moment, this little tiny micro moment in space and time that all of infinity is available to you. So that's why it's fundamentally belief free, which for me um, really resonated because I never liked the idea of choking down someone else's beliefs. Whereas shamanism encourages you to have a direct experience with, with spirit, however you define it, God, goddess, Jesus, Allah, Buddha, science, stars, aliens, unicorns that fart rainbows. Like it doesn't matter how you connect to spirit or visualize this great cosmic energy that is one. And so that, that freedom for me and the depth of, of, of knowledge um, that's what really drew me in, into shamanism and especially the idea as a little girl, I used to talk to trees and wind and, and spirits and, mm-hmm. you know, the idea that every thing in the cosmos is alive and infused with divinity. And that, that fundamental idea makes a person look at people differently, look at grass differently, look at the food we eat differently. And there's a reverence, a sacredness that starts to descend into your whole life. And that's been really magical. So like for me, leaving my kids for those weeks for training during the early years, it's like, it's changed all of our lives. Mm-hmm. And you know, my, my kids are like, eh, that fire ceremony bullshit with mom, but they're <laughs> out there, mom, can you read my tarot card? You know, they're like, I hate that shit, but mom, can you give me some advice? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I know. You hate that same shit, right? thing. They're <laughs> like, we don't believe in that, but what does it say? I <laughs> know. Like, oh. It's so great. Like they're curious and they're in it. Like my daughter's even gone through the trainings, but anyway, I think that's what drew me to shamanism is this freedom and the idea of reverence for everything, stones, plants, and that connection. And I mean, maybe it's because my parents died when I was young, but that idea, like psychologically, one could make the case for the, the necessity of me to be connected to a mother earth mm-hmm. and a father, son, and the divine that's in that um, sacred parenting. I needed that like air. And once I made that connection, I felt safe in the world again. And I'd never felt safe in the world. I was always like, I was like a scared little rabbit, you know? 
I would never imagine that. Oh man. <laughs> also, you, I remember for a while I kept one of my old driver's license from when I was a corporate Wonder Woman. I had like dark, short, severe hair and like this look on my face, like I could kill you. Like I, I was like, yeah. and so I got this driver's license because people did not believe me. I was like, yeah, I was so stressed out. <laughs> That's what my ex-husband fell in love with, poor bastard. He ended up getting this crazy hippie shaman. I was like, sorry. <laughs> I didn't know myself well enough when we got married. Mm -hmm. I should warn you, this was all going on in here. <laughs> so weird it didn't work out. I know, it's so weird. I'm like, God, it was so funny. Uh, that is so funny. But I just love that. I love that, you know, you can hold these polarities within you, right? You can be a shaman, but also be like so authentically yourself and not have to choose one or the other. And it's just like shows what being a human is. It's like, no, we're all of the things all at once, all the time. Oh, you said that so well. So you don't even need me here on the podcast. I would be like, <laughs> yeah, what she said. I know. I think it's the greatest mistake that new seekers make is this idea of compartmentalization. So, and it takes a while to break through it. You know, we have students now that have been studying with us for years and they're starting to get it. But um, most people think there's my spiritual life and then there's my real life. And until you start to realize that your spiritual life is your life and that the washing of dishes and the holding of a baby and the anger, all of that is sacred and your goofiness and your Prada heels or whatever. Like, I think the idea that we need to give up earthly life in order to be spiritual is the residue of the patriarchy. I think that was um, that whole idea of the ancient yogis, shamans kind of going up into the mountaintops and breathing until they lit on fire and found enlightenment. Like they could leave the village, but, but women and women wisdom keepers for, for centuries have known that the sacred of the physical body, the sacred of being able to culminate life and your breasts come alive and all this magical shit happens when you get pregnant. So I think the, the feminine teachings uh, is another thing I really admire about shamanism is it's held in reverence equally with the masculine. It's not that the feminine is better. It's not that the masculine is better. It's that they're both held in such reverence, which is the physical body and the human li living of muddy, messy, birthing babies, cooking food, digging in mud for rice, and this extreme luminous nature that's crystalline and, and, and accesses the cosmic energy. So both exist simultaneously. And I think that gave me such freedom to go ahead and be goofy and dye my hair because I like being blonde for no other reason, you know, and not feel like, Oh, I'm not spiritual. Like so many people say that, like, I love naughty shaman because it gives me freedom. You know, like I got Botox, but don't tell anybody. And I'm like, <laughs> Look, in a true spiritual society, no one should give a shit what you're doing with your face. Like, go for it. Be you. Be free. As long as you're right with spirit, it's no one else's business, you know? And so that's the other thing. I just I just love this viewpoint of looking at the world because of the freedom and the non-judgment. Mm -hmm. I feel like one of the areas that is so hard to integrate 
you know, your spiritual life versus real life is money. And I'm wondering how that has evolved for you. Well, yeah, money can really be a hiccup for folks in a spiritual path. And you'll see it even on um, in social media. People will be like, oh, these people aren't real shamans because they're charging money, you know, and um, and I wrestled with that. Do you know what I mean? I, I definitely was an impoverished energy worker for a long time because mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to be of service and I'm going to be humble. I'm going to be low and I'm going to take the high road, but stay small and all this stuff. And it, and then I realized this idea, it's, it's part of the leftover residue of the Judeo-Christian mindset of that in order to be spiritual, you have to sacrifice mm-hmm. to your soul death or to your physical death or to your detriment. And And really, when you start connecting to universal energies, let's take, for instance, the one that we see and experience every day, the earth, the mother earth, the spiritual entity that we have right under our feet. Like I'm looking at my window right now and the power of the regeneration of all of these grasses, all the new crabs that are being born out in the bay right now, all the new fishes that are being born, like there's an abundance here. And if we're participating as a natural element, then abundance is our birthright. And I think that's one of the hardest mindsets to kind of break free of um, just because it's so ingrained. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, it's that compartmentalization of the, the physical world of money and success. And then there's spiritual world and they can't. Right. But as you stretch your heart and you stretch your mind, to be able to hold the entire cosmos, then absolutely those two things coexist very easily. But it does take time to unlearn, you know, that that old habit. I don't know if I answered your question, but yeah, money is a tricky widget for a lot of people because like money and sex, we have so many beliefs around them mm-hmm. and it's been judged in so many different ways that so much of it lies in shadow. And, and we all need to work it. You know, mm-hmm. we all need to work it because- Right now, that's the currency of energy on the planet is money. And that's, you know, it used to be, you know, give me a chicken and I'll, I'll heal your soul. And, but it's not that anymore. You know, it's not that. Yeah. I was going to say, tell us a little bit about Dharma school. Like what, what kind of goes on there? Maybe what was the inspiration for starting it? Mm-hmm. Oh man, I will tell you the inspiration for starting it is this book right here, the Bhagavad Gita. So for me, yoga and shamanism are very, they're the same. They're the same kind of path. I think the ancient yogis were shamans. And so when you get past the asana of yoga, like the poses and the strength and all the things, when you get past that and deeper into the philosophy, there was this idea in the Bhagavad Gita of of dharma. And that dharma is like your mission, your purpose. It's a big fat word in Sanskrit. So I'm really simplifying it. Like I'm not (laughs) examining it way down. It means it's, I've been actually yelled at by other um, folks that are, that are Hindu that are like, how can you use that word for your school? And, um, you know, but the idea of Dharma just really inspired me. And the idea, there's a line in the Bhagavad Gita that says, it's better to do your dharma imperfectly than to do another's dharma perfectly. 
And that hit me like a brick at the time because I felt like I was living in accordance with what my parents wanted me to live and have. And so I was doing it perfectly. I was living someone else's life perfectly, but I really was yearning to live my life imperfectly. And so that that's really what started the inspiration of like, I've, I've got to A, find my way back home to my soul. And then B, if I'm feeling this way, we have to create a path for people to find their way home to their soul. And so that's essentially what Dharma school is, is this path back to like, what is your purpose here on the earth? What are your gifts? What's your medicine? And the way that we explore that through Dharma school is through examining the journey of your life. Because um, as you look at the journey of your life from a higher perspective, you know, you can see where the pitfalls of pain were, where the trials were, what I call the crucibles, that you get in this hot cauldron of the crucible of, of the test. And there may be many of them. And but in those hardships, when you feel like you're in the flames, that's when your medicine is cooking. So for instance, if you grow up in a household that is devoid of emotion, and then that's so painful to not to have such a sterile environment, then what gets ignited in your soul is a passion for learning how to be an emotional being. And so that ends up becoming your dharma in a way, because that was a part of what you were learning. That was a part of your earth lesson. Are you with me so far? So in dharma school, what we do is we just take a look at like your whole life story. And then through coaching and by, by this process of walking around the medicine wheel, we take a look at what were your early learnings? What were like under five, six years old? What were the early learnings about love? life, money, art, and, and start to understand what the foundation is that we were given and then choose to either keep or destroy that foundation and create a new one. And then we go into our ancestor realm and start looking back through um, our ancestors, either our other lifetimes or our bloodline ancestors, all the ancestors and see what there it, it, did we inherit and, and what there do we want to reclaim and take into the future and what do we want to leave behind? So we sift through, um, you know, like separating poppy seeds from dirt. We sift through all the ancestral baggage and like take the good stuff and leave all the bad stuff. And then, and then we work with soul retrieval and really reclaiming, connecting to the energies of, of who you are meant to be. And we do a lot of that through shamanic journey, through meditation, through reflection, through sacred inquiry, and, and really connect to those higher energies of who you're meant to be and, and what dreams are existing to be born through you, because we're here to be creators. And, you know, and maybe the dream is to have a homestead. Maybe the dream is to invent uh, an organic fuel, whatever the dream is. And then, and then finally we learn the process of non-attachment, which is like being able to let go of it all and, and be recreated. So the death and rebirth cycle. So Dharma school walks you through all of that healing personally. So when people work one-on-one -on, -one on me, it's great. Like, I love that. But what I really love is when they go through Dharma school because it's accelerated, it's in community and we build 
soul ninjas. Like we build enlightened, woke, not woke. That's such a heavy word these days, but you know what I'm saying? (laughs) People that can see through the veil of illusion that, you know, the, the, the number on the scale, the money in your bank are the most important things. Like all that's an illusion. The it's a fun thing that we do because we have human bodies, but it's not who we are. And so that's what I guess I'm characterizing as, as enlightened is this breakthrough of being able to see um, the reality of who you are. And, and I think our school does it better than any I found because we combine the real life leadership teachings about how do you communicate with one another? How do you manage through conflict? How do you manage your own self through that? And, and I just love what we do, you know, combining that real world leadership training along with the energetic training of how to clear curses and destiny lines and and open up uh weave destiny lines together because maybe they were going in two different directions so so we work at a deep deep level and we teach people that through dharma school as well in the starkeeper training so you can go through just for your personal healing and earthkeeper but most people go through earthkeeper and starkeeper to get the whole training and the whole certificate because of the amount of accelerated personal healing that they get. And then some people do want to go out in the world and become coaches and teach workshops and do magical things in the world, but only about 50%, 50% of the people that go through the school are doing it for their own value. So they can make a difference in their families. So they can make a difference in their communities and that's it. They don't want to be a business. They don't want to be like a shaman out on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, that so was going to be my follow-up. Yeah. I was like, you know, what percentage are entrepreneurs are, you know, is this something for people to just do for their own self? Yeah. Most people, it's just for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can go back to work in the government. Like we had somebody go through drama school, work for the FBI. And she was like, she came in because she's like, I hate my job. I need to quit my job. And then she goes to drama school, goes through all this healing and awakening and grows and she's like, I love my job at the FBI, but she was just a spiritual badass at work, you know? So she's like a wolf in sheep's clothing. She's all FBI, black suit, men in black kind of thing. And, um, <laughs> but she's a, she sees the world and her team and their mission through such different perspectives than anyone that she actually got promoted because the, of what she could now see. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I love know. that story. Yeah. I know. I do too. Like there are just so many cool stories like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Uh, and people are like, I need a divorce. I hate my spouse. And then they go through the process and with their changes, the whole household changes. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of times by the end, they're like, oh my God, I love my husband. <laughs> Well, it just shows you how powerful we are, right? Yeah. Like as a woman, as the matriarch of the family, like you don't, I think we don't give ourselves credit for how much impact we have in the family unit. I know it is mm-hmm. so true. It, it is. And you know, the heart and the home, the hearth mm-hmm. and the home is sort of where we govern. Yeah. Uh, that's so true. Yeah. I've, that's been like a, a personal thing I've been dealing with too. Cause I'm, I'm of the, you know, the conditioning of like, okay, well, if my kids are happy, if my husband's happy, then I can have leftover time to be happy. And God bless my husband. He's like, what do mm. you want to do? Where do you mm. want to go? Like, 
you figure yourself out, we'll all fall in line. Cause when you're not happy, everyone's miserable. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's true. <laughs> I love it. Well, there's some wisdom there. There's mm-hmm. some masculine wisdom in there, mm-hmm. right? Yes. To, to allow the feminine to lead sometimes. Yeah. I love yeah. that. I think yeah. that's a real gift you have. How delightful. I love it. <laughs> Are there any um, teachings or learnings from Dharma school that you have or you'd recommend applying to our kids to kind of help them maintain their connection to their souls? I love this question. That's a good one, Mo. Yeah. (laughs) So good. And and yeah, like, so I'm writing a book right now um, and the sequel to it is going to be Raising Naughty Kids. Uh, because I do think there is a way to communicate and interact with your kids totally differently. So one of the lessons that I think translates into how to raise children immediately is this story um, that Alberto taught me. That's an old legend about before we were born. And the idea of before we were born, you know, we're hanging out with the all that is and uh, getting the urge to get a body, like I'm ready to go back down to earth school, check some shit out, learn some new things. And so um, the all that is, which I'll just call God for now, because it's like the energy that animates all things in the cosmos that is neither masculine or feminine. It's just easier to say God for me because I I did not grow up with the baggage of, you know what I mean? Like for me, it's just cool. Uh, but anyway, so then God's like, okay, cool. What what kind of body do you want? Who do you want for parents? And so you choose your parents and you're like, yeah, that guy in California, who's a drug addict and has that motorcycle. (laughs) is so sexy. He's going to be a great dad to help me learn how to love because he's going to vanish like right after I'm born. And then I'm going to have to learn how to love myself. So that, that, that's my dad. And then, (laughs) okay. And God's like, great. Who do you want to be your mom? And then he looked down, oh, this chicken Boston, like, she's killing it in corporate America and I want her to be my mom. And, you know, she's a workaholic and stressed out, but I'll always have a home. So I'll never see her, but I'll, I'll be okay. And so that's who my mom. And then all of a sudden the lady in Boston's like, I need to go to California and (laughs) nine months later you're born. And I love that, that idea because it's inherent that the children come into the families they need to be because they understand their their general life passage and and it just takes the victimology out of being born into the wrong family you know this the idea that everyone's been born into the exact right family and and understanding that when a child this was part of the other other legend is that when a child comes to be with you um they chose you for a guide you know, because of all the mistakes you're going to make, because of your anguish, because of your neuroses, because of your strengths, because of your beauty, because of your power, they didn't just come for the good parts of you. They came for all of it. And I think that can take the pressure off of parents because I, I remember when I was a neurotic parent, um, I felt what was causing the neuroses was this incredible pressure to be a perfect parent and to only be happy and to only give my best and to only never let them see me cry. And and it was horrible because in that environment, children don't learn anything about being human. And they certainly don't learn anything about being an adult. 
And, um, and I think the other part of it is coming into right relationship with failure. Um, because I think that is so critical because there is no life story that I've ever listened to. And I've listened to thousands of life stories where that didn't include massive failures. And, and the idea, the people who, who create beauty in the world are the ones that have had whopping failures and have found their way out, have found their way back. And so, and then realized they weren't actually failures at all, but just a step in the process. So I think those are some of the key things that I love to share with kids. And the other thing about being a shaman is that I think kids are naturally wired to see the spiritual reality mm -hmm. and, and we call it imagination. And, and so many parents are quick to squash that. And I think it's a huge mistake because I think as parents, at least for me, one of my goals is to make sure that you know, cause I'm not going to be around their whole life. I'm going to die. Right. So when, when I die, I want to make sure that the kids have a connection to something eternal mm -hmm. and that they will always have then that true North inside of them, whether I'm there or not, I should not be their true North. I didn't say I'm not their true North. They have their very own sacred relationship with spirit and, mm -hmm. and giving them room to have that connection however they just, you know, however they find it, I think is really critical. So I don't know if I answered yeah. your question, but I think those are some of the things that really empower kids because right now I fear for so many of the kids that are getting raised because they are getting raised. How do I want to say this? My perception is a lot of children are being raised because their parents are still living through a lens of fear and they're living through a very wounded place. And so they would try to prevent their children from becoming them. And they just project a lot of fear and, and judgment onto their decisions. And I just think that is the huge mistake we can make. So we have to become wiser than our kids and not mess up their wisdom that they're born with, you know, cause they're born with it. And then we mess it up with all of our baggage. And so the more we can, you know, like I remember my daughter was like, uh, we were weeding in the garden and she was like three and she looks at me and goes, I used to do this with my mom. And I thought, <laughs> you mean me? And she said, no, no, not you, you know, God. And I was like, holy shit. And instead of being like, no, no, honey, you don't mean, you know what I mean? But I was just like dumbfounded. So I said, okay, tell me more about that. She was like, well, yeah, me and God used to weed the garden. And then one day God put me in the earth like a seed. And now I'm here with you. And I was like, damn, and I was like, that's a beautiful bit of wisdom. And she was like, uh-huh. And just pulling weeds. I'll never, she probably doesn't remember that at all, but I remember that like, and I remember thinking if I had not gone to study all of these ancient studies, like I would have really blown that moment, you know, mm -hmm. or when she's like talking to grandma and, you know, oh, me and grandma were just talking. I'm like, great. Grandma's been dead for 15 years. I was like, great. <laughs> How's she doing? <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. It's amazing. My daughter is three and a half and I have on my desk, a little statue. It's like a little lion doing yoga. Oh. in a little yoga pose, you know, yeah. 
And she's up here last night and she starts yelling. And so I come upstairs. I'm like, hey, is everything okay? She was like, that statue just winked at me like this. She's like, it closed its eye and it opened its eye. I want it out. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, I can remove it. <laughs> but she- You naughty lion. <laughs> I'm not right. It's just like, you know, sometimes I wink when I'm doing a little like something, you know, little, I, I want to tell an inside joke, you know, and I'm like, oh, this is just kidding, whatever. No, she didn't like that. So sure. her and dad did a, you know, they lit up some Palo Santo and they did a whole little ceremony <laughs> and it was like a whole thing. And then she felt a little better. And so, you know, my husband's like, do you want me to bring you back downstairs? She's like, oh no, nope. <laughs> no. I don't want it anywhere near me because it winked freaked her out it was so I love it I know I know I was like oh I'm like I do you know all my meditation in here so maybe my guides were still hanging out from the call I just got off of they were like waving at her and she was like hell no I'm not talking to that I love it so funny well you just made me think of something actually you know it's this idea I get the question a lot well is this real like mm. really real. And, and I love that question. We love us a skeptic, right? <laughs> oh yeah. And I'm like, I, I, so here's my take on it. And this is why I'm a naughty shaman because I don't know, like, is it real? I don't know. Right. Does it work? Does it help your life be better? That's the important question. And I, I learned that in Peru um, from Don Francisco, one of the elders in the Caro nation down there. And he travels a lot around. A lot of people have worked with him, but I remember talking with him once in Peru and I had mala beads and I was vegetarian and I was like doing the prayers and doing the breathing and like doing all the right things to find inner peace. And I was still just cranky as shit, you know? And, um, he sat beside me and I was like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed because this guy probably sees that I'm a complete mess. And and so I got my mala beads out while he was next to me and I started praying so I could be calm next to him, right? Because I wanted to make a good impression. And um, he's just eating a sandwich. He's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm praying, you know, so that I can have inner peace. And he goes, oh yeah, how many times a day do you have to do that to have inner peace? And I'm like, I don't know, like four or five and he goes, is it working? And uh, I was like, yeah, no, it's not working. And he took my mala beads out of my hand and threw them. Like, just was like, then don't do this. Stop praying this way. It's not working. And I was like, <gasps> like, it was the first idea of like the difference between a spiritual practice and acting like you have a spiritual practice. The embodiment. Yeah. hope is real. It's like, does it work in your life? that's the big thing just praying work does palo santo work right if not don't do it but if it does provide an outlet a hope a a way forward comfort then keep doing it the question of is it real or not is really an annoying question for me because reality is so subjective to me (laughs) you know your reality and your reality my reality are all completely different realities and um so yeah it can be totally as real as you want it to be. And, and to me, it doesn't matter if it's real or not, as long as it's working for you. So that's, I think why I'm so that's not a great point. Yeah. Right. Cause I'm like, yeah. you can believe whatever you want. Like people are like, I don't believe in chakras and I'm like, cool. 
You don't have to. Like, that's great. You can still <laughs> learn to work in them if they did exist, but maybe they don't. You know, there's never going to be a little scientist that's going to be able to prove all that stuff. So in in the shamanic world of, you know, yoking together the spirit world and the physical world, um, we have to accept that there are knowable, measurable things and there are mysteries. And if we devalue the mystery, my God, then we are really missing everything that is good about being alive. Right. 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 Oh, anyway, that was my other little diatribe about reality. Is it real? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Try it. See if you like it. <laughs> I know. I say that all yeah. the time. I'm like, nothing's real until it's, you believe it's real. Right. You know, like even the computer we're talking on, like this wasn't real at one time and now it's real. And now it's real. Right. I love that. It's fun. Oh, we could go down <laughs> such a rabbit hole on that one. Yeah. I know. I love this. I love all this stuff. Next time we'll have a bottle of wine and just really <laughs> way down that rabbit hole of what is real? What is reality? <laughs> yeah. It's so trippy. It's so fun. Um, <laughs> is Dharma school only in person or do you offer virtual services as well? We sure do. Yeah. One of the things that, that COVID taught us is that we can absolutely do mm. Dharma school online. And so we have um, online Firekeeper. That's where you begin. And that's all online. We have in-person um, Dharma school for people who need that. And we are launching the online Dharma school. So that will be probably by the end of this year. So yeah, it should be accessible for everybody. That's and that's, awesome. that's what we want. Yeah. Love that. Very do you cool. guys do retreats too, like abroad or anything like that? We do. We're actually going to Peru in 2025 uh, okay. for a sacred vacation. Yep. So we are going to do all the naughty shaman things. We're going to drink a bunch of Pisco if you're into that and stay up late and then also do sacred ceremony with the elders um, on, on the, on the mountain of my initiation, Salkantai, which is the undomesticatable feminine. And so men and women and families will all be coming down there to receive those initiation rites and to experience Machu Picchu and Mariah and all the sacred sites that are in the sacred valley. We're not cool. going into the jungle, but we will be doing plant medicine as an option for people that want to do that or have that calling. Then we mm -hmm. will have a day dedicated to that if they feel, feel that. But yeah, so we are going to be doing that 2025 in May and June. Um, and all that'll be on our website, uh, naughtyshaman.com. Amazing. I love it. I know. I'm okay. so excited there. I don't know. Are you guys feeling this energy like 2024? I feel like I woke up in 2024 and felt like it's showtime. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't know if there that's some, happening. Yeah. 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 There's something it's like, okay, well, we're here. <laughs> what are we waiting uh -huh. for? It's now or never. Like, let's yeah. just go full. It's like, yeah. we're just jumping in. I love that. I love what you're doing. I would, I just love like all the different people that you're talking to and all the different bits of wisdom too, that they have to offer in their perspectives of what's going on in the world. It's so valuable. Thank you. Yeah. We've been having a lot of fun. It's been such a great experience for us. Oh, I'm so yeah, glad. So fun. Definitely. Well, this went by way too quick, but it was great to be able to talk oh to gosh. you. It did. I'm so grateful. Um, I'm so grateful to be here. Really, really, really. Thank so you. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. Everybody um, listen to the Naughty Shaman podcast yeah. and check out the website for Dharma School and all of the exciting, fun things you have going on there. 
Oh yeah. NaughtyShaman.com. It's hard to forget. Naughty Shaman. Like it's a sticky <laughs> brand. I'm name. so grateful. Yeah. We were going to be a t-shirt company first and then we messed that up. So it ended up being this. I'm like, that's, that's even better. That worked out. <laughs> that totally worked out. Right. Speaking of failures, turning out better than you planned. <laughs> I know. Right. It was great. Well, thank you so much, beautiful souls. And let's thank keep you. it up. Soul train. Baby. Soul yes. Train. Love it. Awesome. <laughs> You guys have a great day. Thanks. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye. Where am I? Here I am. Hang Where on. are you? Can I you hear me? Wait. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Oh, good. My microphone's working again. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> that is scary. All right. Huh? How are you? How are you feeling? I'm good been running around today you oh. running around that's so weird <laughs> okay how are you i'm good here i am i'm not running around oh i gotta highlight my hair look at that mm. um, hair looks great thanks I mine just is clean it. but not styled that's okay i only just blow dried this front part here we mm. go um <laughs> that works <laughs> Uh, that's that's my usual MO. I'm like, who cares about the rest it's there? Um, I'm packing because I leave for a trip this weekend. So oh, it's been a long right. time since I've like done hair remotely. Where are you and going? Yes, it now. Um, I don't think I can say yet because it hasn't been announced. Oh. It's for college basketball, women's college basketball. Cool. Yeah. How long so are you away? Just. I fly out Saturday. I come back Sunday. Exactly okay. how I like it. Perfect. And yeah, so I've just been like trying to get my kit back together because it's been so long and this is like, I don't really know some of the people. So it's like, you want to have everything. Mm -hmm. But what is nice is there's two hair and two makeup people. So easy. It's going to be a dream. Yeah. I'm yeah. excited. That'll be cool. fun. Yeah. All right. Um. All right. So enough about that. <laughs> enough about mm -hmm. me um we're here to recap natalie carlisle aka the naughty shaman the naughty shaman perfect <laughs> perfectly appropriate name for her <laughs> i know i love it it's such a good brand it's a great brand and also just like really embodied her personality where she was like yeah all this shit is valid but also be yourself and mm -hmm. that could be seen as naughty sometimes um one of the things she said was <laughs> Like, I don't care what you believe. If you believe in this, 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 aliens, unicorns that fart rainbows. And I was like, oh, that reminds me. I got to check on the whole alien business. Have you had a chance oh, to my talk God. to your dad? Oh, my God. <laughs> so much. I am. I don't have anything because I was so overwhelmed with the answer. Wow. It was. Let me see. Try I us. tried to take some notes. Um <laughs> Literally, I asked, and he was washing the dishes, which is my parents' joke. My dad doesn't want my mom to use the dishwasher for some reason. So she's like, fine, that means you're washing the dishes because I won't use the dishes. So one night we were all out to dinner. She's like, oh, I got a new dishwasher. I'm like, oh, my God, really? She's like, yeah, look. And she pointed to my dad, and it was very funny. <laughs> um, okay. All right. It's coming back to me. There was also a lot going on. So he's washing the dishes, and then I asked him about this, and my mom was like, oh, I'm out because we'll be here all day. And then Devin was there. So she was also like, you know, being herself and not wanting me to talk to anyone. Mm -hmm. So basically 
Yes. He still believes that we were, that the aliens like dropped us off, but it's evolved a bit. And he was saying that when his, his brother Roy was alive, which was many, many years ago, I've never met my uncle Roy. Um, he was saying that my uncle Roy really believed this to be true as well, but where, where it kind of changed a little bit was he was saying that we lived on Mars first and then the aliens brought us from Mars and then brought us here to the earth because the Mars became in, like we weren't able to live there anymore. The atmosphere changed. And I was like, okay, that's, I can kind of see that working because like debatably earth, you know, could, that could also happen to earth where it's like we ruin the atmosphere and then it's no longer able to be. What makes him think that we were originally from Mars though? I don't know. Okay. It was so, I was so overwhelmed. I was like, oh wow. Okay. And then my big question is, does he think that we like the aliens? So he does not think evolution is real. He does think evolution, like it's debatable on evolution. He just maybe thinks we evolved from something different. Like he was talking a lot about, mm, I don't remember the exact words. I didn't, ta- I didn't take good notes because I was so overwhelmed. <laughs> just like, I think oh I need to get Guy and Maureen in a room together so we could really just get into this because you will ask the hard hitting questions Ooh, where I was wow. just like, oh, okay, this is cool. <laughs> okay so my my follow-up is that i am more confused now than ever yes um i honestly couldn't follow I was so overwhelmed with information because i had never heard anything like this before like this type of theory so i think mm-hmm. it like didn't stick in my brain because i was like holy shit i probably should have pressed record yeah yeah so we're gonna have to we're gonna have to join my parents for a dinner you know, Friday night, night out and just like really get into it. I cannot wait. Yeah. I don't even know where to start really with my questions <laughs> because it just he seems to violate like, so many like pretty well-worn, um, you know, science. Yeah. And, yeah. For sure. For yeah, sure. So, um, But arguably like human science, not alien science, because we don't know what the alien science is. Well... I mean, we <laughs> we know a little bit about the world beyond Earth. A little bit, but like a fraction. Because yeah. like, as we've discussed before, galaxies large. Right. And they haven't like, been here. Right. And who knows if, who knows if, you know, he's saying Mars, like, but it could have been a totally different planet in a totally different galaxy. Like, but like, there's no evidence on Mars of a, civilization no that might be a clue that we didn't live on mars first maybe yeah no there isn't i i got nothing it was it was a pretty (laughs) it was a pretty complex theory i'll say that okay because i was just like i have nothing to contribute to this other than the questions that maureen asked me and i don't think i'm doing them justice (laughs) okay I guess like the we real have to question, do though, is... time without Devin and just like with yeah. my dad and just like okay. dig in because okay. it's fun. You'll enjoy so it. I feel like maybe the real question that we need to get to the bottom of is not so much of whether he's right or wrong. Like I'm hard pressed to be persuaded that he's right. So <laughs> that does not matter. <laughs> 
But I'm kind of wondering, like, why he believes what he believes mm-hmm. and how he feels about it. So, like, does he feel comfortable in the world knowing, like, this is how we came to be? Does he feel like he can reach out to this higher power mm-hmm. of alien? Okay. Um, Valid questions. I like those. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what does he think is going to happen to us when we die? Mm-hmm. Back mm-hmm. to the mothership or what? I don't know. I asked, I said, what happens when we die? And he was like, well, that's a whole other thing. And I was like, okay, basically he told me we didn't have time for that question. So then I was really intrigued. I was like, well, what? <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. So we will follow this up. I think you and I need to crash a dinner with my parents on a Friday night. I'd be happy to. And we'll just, we'll just talk about aliens and let, let it get weird. And you're going to take some notes. Yeah. And then okay. we'll follow up because I feel like your scientist brain and, you know, gonna explode, gonna explode. but I'm also I'm like, like, should we like go to biology class together? <laughs> like what the hell? Well, he didn't, he wasn't like, no, I don't think evolution is real. Like there's some people that are hard pressed, like, no, it doesn't exist. And that's not mm-hmm. what he was saying. He was just like, I think there's more to the story that we have yet to uncover. Okay. It felt more like that. Because it was, none of these were like hard yes or hard no's. It was like, everything was kind of a theory and debatable. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. More to come. So, more to come. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's our other big follow-up. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> I looked more closely at some of the subliminal offerings on the Healing Mind app. And it does, in fact, say in some of the directions that you can listen to the subliminals while you work, exercise, clean. I forget what else it said, a couple other examples. So I think that would be one point for me that I agree. You can do stuff while you listen to subliminals. I agree. Thank you. And that is definitely not what I was what I reacted to because I definitely, there is so much validity to that. And that is a great place to start meditating. I don't want people listening to be like, oh gosh, I'm not doing it right. There is no right or wrong. I like to challenge you sometimes to push your comfort zone because you said, I can't sit down and I can't Mm -hmm. sit still. And that was what I was reacting to because when we say we can't do something, then I'm like, oh no, you can do anything. But it's just no, like how my you point. Can. Okay. So also follow up. I've done like, I don't know, probably four of the meditations where you just have to sit still and listen Ooh, this past week since we talked about Thank you. <laughs> Live to tell the tale. Nothing, <laughs> no one died. No one I did died. fall asleep a couple times. That's also fine. okay. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I was more saying, like, if you're like me and you find it hard to slow down, carve out the time for it, whatever, like incorporating the subliminals can be a really nice way to find a little piece and still like get the stuff done. Because what happens for me is I have my whole to-do list and then I'm like, I got to add meditation to this list. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then <laughs> it is just like, it's defeats it the whole gets purpose. It gets overwhelming. Yeah. stressed about trying to not stress. It's yeah. 
kind of defeats the purpose. Um, No, I think that's a great distinction. And I also think too, if you're somebody who's never meditated before, you're just like wanting to try it on, like that's such a great way to get in into it. You know, even like listening to a podcast sometimes can help you just relax your mind and not get so caught up in your own thoughts. So yeah, I think that's a good distinction. Well, and by the time this comes out, you will have posted our post today will be a couple of days ago, but yeah, we <laughs> you, you put some of our debate on Instagram. So if you guys aren't following us, check us out. It's kind of funny. And um, is, Jamie yeah. Drucker weighed in to say to each their yeah. own. And yeah. you can meditate while you're dancing or... Absolutely flipping. true. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. yeah. And it is definitely something too, if you know you have ADHD or you know something like that where you know, your mind is very busy and you have a hard time. Like those are, there are definitely so many ways that you can achieve the same effect. Again, I was more combating the the statement of like, I can't sit still. My refusal to stop moving. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I got Working you. on okay. it. Baby steps. Okay. It's good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I did think of a good analogy about meditation too. Okay. I love it. I'm excited. Okay. So, you know, when you're trying to swim and you're Mm. like, say you're going to swim in a lake, that's really hard because of waves and stuff. Mm -hmm. So your instinct is to like swim harder and harder because you're trying Mm -hmm. to get somewhere. And actually, if you float for a minute, you don't even have to try and Mm. you don't sink and then you can rest and then you're more effective. So that's what I try to think. I'm going to go float for a little when I do my still meditation. Yeah, that's a beautiful way to go at it. How like how many minutes did you do? Just a couple minutes, yeah. Well, like twenty minutes. The you did ones. twenty minutes. Oh yeah. And can I add in the Healing Mind app, one of the ones I found this week, Morgan sings in it, which was kind <gasps> of cool. Ooh, yeah. She has, a, she has a pretty speaking voice, so I imagine her singing voice it was is like very, very relaxing clear and nice. Yeah, yeah. I love I that. How fun. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, I'm I'm very proud. Good job. Didn't die. We felt we slept. So probably our body needed that time. You know, that's mm-hmm. the thing. People are like, oh my gosh, I just fall asleep. But it's like, we just choose to believe that our body can just continuously go and go and go. But like we actually physically, mentally, emotionally need sleep. More yeah. sleep than I think we think we do. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. All right. Preach to sleeping. <laughs> what else? Um, have you been to High Vibes in Plainville? No, I haven't. Me neither, but we got to check that out. All right, let's do it. Um, I also haven't even been to the Naughty Shaman. I know. I need to go in there too. So we got to look into that. And I loved the serendipitous moment of how we both knew Chip. Because Chip was my shaman that I worked with when I studied to become a Reiki master. Mm -hmm. He's who I studied under. John and I have had many, many, many sessions with him. Um, So it was a nice little connection yeah. And then for, I think we may have talked about him in the past, but just mm-hmm. if people don't know, he passed away a couple of years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it last year? Yeah. It was this month last year, I think. Oh, wow. But I could be wrong because my dates, I don't remember what year it was. I just remember I had COVID when he passed. Mm. So I got to go to his funeral, which is sad, but... Yes. So he is on the other side. So that's why we were laughing because we were talking about him in the present test because he's mm-hmm. very, <laughs> he makes him, his presence known. 
Well, I know when we went to that um, like psychic fair or whatever. Mm-hmm. Remember yeah, when like, you guys were talking about Chip and then the lights started going nuts? Yes. Yes. Because we, <laughs> you guys we were like, had okay, met. okay. <laughs> yeah. That was fun. so funny. Yeah. He definitely does stuff like that all the time. Um. All right. What else did we talk about to recap? Oh, have your kids ever said weird stuff about like their past lives or seeing okay. ghosts or anything? I don't she remember. She was saying her daughter was saying in the garden. That. Yes. <laughs> I don't remember the boys ever saying things like that, but I feel like Devin does. And I don't know if I'm just a little more open to it now, but I'm trying to think of, I feel like just a few weeks ago, she said something and I was like, what? <laughs> um, geez. I don't remember what it was. How about Maggie? Um, she doesn't really say weird things. One time when she was little, I was like, oh, why did you pick me to be your mom? She was like, because mm, I knew you'd take care of me. I was like, <laughs> okay. So there was no question about what I'm saying by that question. She was just like, yeah, yeah. That was cute. Devin has um, said to me before, she's like, La- you know, when I was your mommy. And I'm like, when you were my mommy, what do you mean? <laughs> she's like, mm. and then just like glosses over it. And I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Maggie has had some weird like manifestations though come mm. through that are kind of fun. Like when she was really little, we took a day trip and went to the beach in Rhode Island and she made friends with this girl and they played all day and they were like, we're best friends. You know, she was probably like four or something. And I was like, oh, that's nice. You made a friend like time to say bye. And like, we're never going to see them again because it was a random beach friend. So then the next year, we were going to go back and she was like, oh, I can't wait to see my friend. I was like, no, that's not like how the public beach works. <laughs> like, <laughs> That'd be nice. But, you know, this is a random day. Like, I think the kids in Rhode Island are in school. I don't know. I was like, there's a number of reasons. Like, we don't know these people at all. Like, I don't even know their names. And we got there. And sure enough, her friend was there again. <laughs> and she what like, I are told the you, chances? I told you, mom. <laughs> Um, I think that happened. It was like a family friend's granddaughter she played with one time. She's like, oh, I can't I can't wait for her to move here. Something like that. She's like, I wish she would move here. I'm like, well, they live in like Pennsylvania. Like, that's not very likely. And like a year or two later, they moved. She's like, I knew they were going to move here. (laughs) Like, kid, what? (laughs) What do you want to pick for lottery numbers? (laughs) Like, mom, that's not how it works. You're like, well, how does it work? <laughs> I know. She's like, you can't ask me. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Now she's like too me. slick, I think. Oh, yeah, for sure. She knows too but, much. Yeah. That is really funny. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Devin definitely like says weird things sometimes where we, John and I will look at each other and be like, mm, okay. But <laughs> I don't remember them at this moment. So I'll have to think on it. She probably doesn't say the weirdest things of the three of you. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know well another thing I had written down when I was listening back to Natalie's episode was when she gets asked the question of is it real and Mm -hmm. I loved her reaction to that too it was kind of like that doesn't matter yeah so kind of like to your dad's belief system like I know that's not real (laughs) I would be willing to bet anything but (laughs) doesn't really matter He's cool. He's doing his thing. So, I mean, that's kind of what it all comes down to, right? Like it's true if you believe it's true. And 
even that statement, like, obviously you want to make sure it's not like harmful or hurtful to anybody, but if there's, right, if you believe in a higher power and that just like is reassuring to you, like, yeah, why not believe it's true? Like, why do you need proof or like, what is the proof that will make you feel like it's valid, you know? Well, then like when you start looking into like conspiracy theories or people Mm. who think things that are like, there's lizard people or something. (laughs) (laughs) They're interesting. The question of, is it real? is relevant because people do make decisions that could be potentially harmful based on Mm. that belief system. Mm -hmm. So that's a, but then B is like, and why do you think that? And then like often as you dig into it, like people who believe in conspiracies tend to have all these different traits in common where it's like, they feel helpless in their life or they are Mm -hmm. under, Mm -hmm. they're more isolated than average or they're under like certain financial stresses or something. Right. So I don't know. There's sometimes it is important to distinguish real or not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think on the show too, we talk a lot about discernment, like, you know, just having that discernment to know like, okay, this seems a little far-fetched. Like I need to do some of my own personal investigation on this of like, whatever the, the, the topic or the question is. So it's interesting. Yeah. But it sounds like with a lot of the shaman type of work, it doesn't matter. It's like your belief, if it's real, like, did she really Mm -hmm. talk to somebody from the underworld and they told her this thing? Like she got this message and she's living according to it and feeling great. So, I mean, that's true. And I, I also wonder too, of like, we've talked before about when, you know, if you like have a message or a download, like it just sounds like your own thoughts. So like, what's the ciphering, like whether you thought of something or like, you know, a higher power dropped it into your mind. The same could be said about this, that like shamanic type of work. It's like you're in meditation, you hear something like, maybe it's just your subconscious who that is, you know, telling you something, but you decide Mm -hmm. to believe it's, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think again, it's just comes back to how are you like making decisions based on that like if you're like Mm -hmm. oh a psychic told me this is gonna like I'm gonna get this job and so that's all I'm applying for it's like well that's that could be a way to go but that might not be it right it's also um interpretation it's also all the interpretation too right if a psychic tells us something that's their interpretation like Mm -hmm versus even our own things. Like we hear things and then we interpret them however we mean to. Like my dad's theory on aliens, that's his interpretation of things that he, like information that he's gathered from wherever Mm -hmm. he's gathered it from. Like science fiction magazines. History Channel, who knows? (laughs) (laughs) You know, they love that History Channel. (laughs) I See, I think it's more believable if the aliens dropped us off from another galaxy versus Mars. Because like we know, yeah, Mars the Mars is, one I have a yeah. tough time with, <laughs> right? Like, but if it was we've like seen some, it. yeah, if it was other some other planet like not in our galaxy that we like, yeah, maybe there is, you know, maybe oh, just a couple. Guys. I wonder if he thinks everyone is or just a couple people. I feel like I asked him that. I was like, um, "Do we think everyone was dropped off?" And he was like, "No." And don't be like, ridiculous. Okay, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, that makes more sense." I think it's like a blend. So he thinks it's like men in black or just like a couple of people are aliens. Yeah, that makes sense. They made a movie on it, Mo. (laughs) Well, then it must be true. I'm surprised that they didn't get shut down. There's probably rules. 
um her retreat to peru in 2025 sounds cool I'm but down. i thought that was funny that she was mentioning like the plant medicine option mm-hmm. i was like i'm out <laughs> <laughs> um my friend just sent me a really funny video about plant medicine what was it uh i'll have to send it to you I feel like you would do better describing it than I would, but essentially like this girl's at a party and she's like, yeah, we're going to do this drug now. And it's going to have you like tap you into a higher consciousness. <laughs> it's just so funny. <laughs> it was like a little spoof on plant medicine and all the different things. She was like, gotcha. and she's like in her little clutch, she's like, I have these great mushrooms. <laughs> party plant medicine, not like mm-hmm. demonic plant yeah. medicine. It was very funny. I was like laughing so hard. I was like, wow, she's in Miami. I'm like, what's this your experience in Miami? Like what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> well, she was cool. I'm glad we got to talk to her. We had yeah, to go check too. out Naughty Shaman. Me too. I, you know what I really loved was, and this is like a common theme. I think a, most of the people we talk to, what attracts us to them is how well they're just like living in their authenticity. So it just mm-hmm. was really beautiful. She articulated it very well in the sense mm-hmm. of like, you know, this is who I was and now this is who I am and how she's like blended it all together, you know, and it doesn't yeah. look like, you know, her version of being a shaman doesn't look like what it says on paper, you know, it, it's yeah. her version of how she shows up. So that is something I really love. Yeah. I like the whole concept of naughty shaman. That's like, yeah, they still do things like go drink a glass of wine and yeah, relax. It's not like yeah. all just this pious, lofty, removed thing. Right. Like, real or like they don't have to take it so seriously. Like right, at the end exactly. of the day, like there's enough serious shit we need to worry about. Like let's have fun sometimes too. Exactly. That's good. good. I loved it. Too's fun. Um, okay. Reminders. So we already said, but come follow us on Instagram and you can join in our debates. <laughs> And <laughs> yeah, and check out our website, mysticallyinclined.com. Yeah. We have we have all of the things there. So you can shop any of the books we've talked about or the products that we really love um using and working with, like the Healing Mind app is on there. So you can just go ahead and click that link to get that. Um you can contact us through that website if you have any questions or want to learn anything, you know, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. book readings, all of those things. So everything is right in the website. We have our Instagram going. It's fun. Okay, but the most important thing tell us is that we need your help. Yes. Because we are trying to build our audience and That's it right. seems like the best way to do it is just by people sharing it. So if you could share mm-hmm. it with just like one person that you think would like it, we would appreciate it. Yeah. Spread the fun. Mm-hmm. fun over here talking to some <laughs> cool people about some weird shit oh i know we have so many good ones coming <laughs> we do have a lot of good episodes coming so definitely yeah. um, if you're listening follow make sure you're following on you know spotify or apple wherever you're listening to so that we just jump up on your feed every time a new episode is launched all right um have a great trip and thanks talk i'll be to back you next week all right bye okay bye